Hello and welcome to the MIT Press Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gondek. And today I'll be speaking with Mitchell Resnick about his new book, Lifelong Kindergarten, Cultivating Creativity Through Projects, Passion, Peers, and Play. Mitchell Resnick, an expert in educational technologies, is Professor of Learning Research at the MIT Media Lab. He has worked closely with the Lego Toy Company for 30 years, collaborating with them on such innovative projects as the Lego Mindstorms Robotics Kits, and he holds the Lego Endowed Chair at MIT. He leads the team developing the Scratch programming software and online community, and he is co-founder of the Computer Clubhouse Project, a network of after-school learning centers for youth from low-income communities. Mitchell Resnick, thanks for being on the MIT Press Podcast today. Nice to be with you. I'd like to start by asking you to describe what makes, or sadly in some cases, made kindergarten different than the rest of a child's educational experience, because I doubt many listeners, including myself until I read this book, you know, really knew how kindergarten was developed. You know, actually, the first kindergarten was opened almost 200 years ago, uh, and in that first kindergarten, it wasn't just a place for younger kids, but it was a radically new approach to education, fundamentally different than the schools that came before it. You know, at the time, most schooling was based on a teacher standing in the front of the room, lecturing, and kids writing down what the teacher said. And the inventor of the first kindergarten, Friedrich Froebel, knew that that was not going to work for five-year-olds. So he came up with a very different approach. Instead of having a broadcast model where the teacher was just broadcasting to the kids, he, he felt that the, the young kids would learn best by interacting with the world by exploring, experimenting, expressing themselves. Uh, so in fact, he developed a set of materials uh, to let kids build and play and learn in the process. And if you go into many kindergartens today, you will see some of the latter day, you know, you know descendants of those early kindergarten ideas. Uh, oftentimes kids are playfully designing and creating things in collaboration with one another, building towers out of blocks, making pictures with finger paint. And in the process, kids learn a lot. When they build a tower with blocks, they learn about structure and stability. When they build, you know, when they create pictures with finger paint, they learn how colors mix together. But most important, you know, is that they're learning about the creative process, how to start with an idea and turn it into a project, how to imagine something new, play with the idea, share it with others, keep refining it based on the experiences. And I think that development of a, as a creative thinker has always been important. And it's even more important today. You know, we live in a society where things are changing more rapidly than ever before. So you know, something you learn today might be obsolete tomorrow, but, we'll, but what's most important is the ability to think and act creatively. So as kids grow up, they'll face a never-ending stream of you know, new and uncertain situations. So they need to learn how to think and act creatively. And the traditional approach to kindergarten really prepared them for that. Now, the problem is, you know, when kids leave kindergarten, oftentimes the rest of school is very different and they sit there, you know, listening to lectures, filling out worksheets, uh, which isn't really well aligned with the needs of today's society. They don't develop as creative thinkers. Uh, and even worse, some of that approach is seeping down into kindergarten. You go to some kindergartens today and kids are filling out phonics worksheets and drilling on math flashcards. In many places, kindergarten is becoming more like the rest of school. And I think we need exactly the reverse. We need to make the rest of school, in fact, the rest of life, more like kindergarten. Uh, so in this book, you talk about a thing that you and your team have developed called the creative learning spiral. Can you tell us about it? 
Yeah, so uh, we see this is the way that people work through the creative process. So we see the process where people start by imagining an idea, but it's not enough just to imagine something. You then have to you know, start creating it. So imagine kids in kindergarten, they might imagine a fantasy city, then they pull out the blocks and start building the city. So they imagine, they start creating, and then they start playing and experimenting. So they might start saying, who can build the tallest tower? Uh, and they'll start sharing and collaborating with each other. Someone might build the houses and someone else will build a road in front with cars that, that, that go in front. Um, and you know, so they'll start playing collaboratively with one another. Now, sometimes things go wrong and the tower will fall over and they'll start figuring what, they'll start reflecting on what went wrong, how could they make it stronger. Um, and then from that, they'll get new ideas and they'll start imagining new things and start a next iteration of the spiral. So we see the creative process always works this way of, you know, where it's this cycle over and over where you try something, you come up with an idea, try it out in the world, share it with others. And based on what you find out, you get new ideas. So it's this constant back and forth between getting ideas, then creating things in the world. And that lets you create new ideas, which lets you create new things in the world. And I think that's at the core of all types of creative processes. You know, in our own work here at the MIT Media Lab, we're constantly going through that spiral. As we develop new technologies, we are you know, spiraling over and over to come up with, you know, each make a prototype, try it out, iterate it to make some improvements. And we see that happening in the best kindergartens as well. And we want to spread that idea everywhere. It should you know, happen in all types of learning experiences inside of school and outside of school. Uh, talking about outside of school, you and your research team at the MIT Media Lab developed a program called Scratch, which, as I got through this book, is really trying to address, particularly at a secondary school level, an elementary school level, outside of kindergarten, those issues you talk about. Uh, was that your goal with Scratch? Is that what you were trying to do? Well, in some ways with Scratch, we were trying to spread that kindergarten approach. You know, we really want to see how we can use new technologies to allow kids, as they grow older, to continue to learn in that kindergarten style. So with Scratch, kids are able to create their own interactive stories and games and animations on the computer and then share their creations with one another. To make their projects, they snap together graphical programming blocks. You know, the blocks might say to move your character forward or to turn it or to change the background you know, in the game or the story that you're making. And kids snap together these graphical blocks, somewhat like putting physical Lego bricks together in the world. So they can you know, playfully put things together, take them apart as they're creating their own interactive stories and games. And that sharing is an important part, too. We want them to experience all parts of that creative learning spiral. So in Scratch, when kids create a project, they can hit a share button and share their project in an online community where kids around the world can try out their project, give them feedback and suggestions and encouragement. So it's now this very active online community. There have been more than 25 million projects shared by kids around the world. Every day, there's 30,000 new projects. You know, they're, they're shared on the Scratch website. So this Scratch website serves as both, you know, an inspiration where kids can go and look at other people's projects to get new ideas and you know, start that, you know, imagining new things they might want to make. But they also can get, uh, you know, feedback and advice. So it's a way for kids to both imagine ideas, create things, share them in this online community. 
I really enjoy the profiles in the book that you had of students who had started Scratch when they were younger, and then you kind of followed them to see what happened to them. And it was really kind of inspiring to see how Scratch and then the club that you helped set up how develop these people into their future careers. Yeah, I think you know we really tried to you know help young people develop as creative thinkers. And it's wonderful to see as kids you know continue to work on Scratch how they start to you know express themselves more creatively. So certainly, I think a lot of people would recognize that as kids learn computer programming, they may be learning to develop their thinking, become more systematic thinkers. And there's a type of you know, rigorous thinking that goes on to creating your you know, you know, computer programs to make your own games and stories. But at the same time, kids are also learning to develop their own voice, to share their ideas with others. And I think that's so important. It's similar to like learning to write. When we learn to write, you know, we it helps us organize our ideas, share our ideas, and express our ideas. Um, and to be a real full participation in today's society, you really need to learn to write to be able to share your ideas with others. You know, we don't teach writing just so people can grow up and get jobs as professional writers. Uh, you know, we want everyone to be able to share their ideas through writing. And we look at programming or coding the exact same way. It's not just about helping people grow up to become professional programmers, although some people will and there's some good job opportunities there. For us, what's more important is for everyone to grow up feeling that they can express themselves with this new technology. And coding, like writing, helps people learn to organize their ideas, share their ideas, express their ideas. And that's important for everyone in society. No matter what kids grow up to be, they'll need to learn how to both to think creatively in this way. Now, looking at these lifelong kindergarten things you're doing, working with Scratch and trying to develop creativity, I imagine occasionally you might get pushback from some members of the academic community, whether in elementary school or secondary school, uh, that are more, I wouldn't say, wedded to those ideas of, of very specific measurements of how students are doing. And maybe they these people don't believe or have some issues around seeing how students can develop creativity. What's the biggest misconception you run into when you talk about helping students develop their creativity? Well, I think what... The, the biggest challenge is that most people don't, you know, understand the significance of helping kids develop as creative thinkers. They see it as a nice thing, but not an essential thing. In my mind, you know, helping kids develop as creative thinkers is one of the most important goals, you know, for our educational system. So, you know, why is it that people don't necessarily attach that significance to it? Sometimes maybe people, they hear creativity and they just associate with artistic expression. And they say, well, that's nice. It's nice for people to express themselves artistically, but it's not essential for success in this world. Uh, but I think that you know, undervalues the role of creativity. It's not just about artistic expression. In everything we do, we need to develop as creative thinkers, whether you grow up to become you know, a, a, a doctor or a scientist or an automobile mechanic or a marketing manager. You know, in anything you do, Creative thinking is going to be increasingly important in today's society. And it's not just in the workplace. We need creative thinking in our everyday lives. You know, when you organize a birthday party for a friend, you want to be creative. Uh, these days on social media, in order to make new friendships and sustain your friendships, you need to be a creative thinker to be able to navigate new spaces that, and new technologies that you find in the world. So it's so important to help everyone become a creative thinker and and people have to recognize that this is not something you snap your fingers and it just happens. We need to create an environment where we can nurture people to develop their creative capacities. Kids start with great curiosity and parents and educators need to create environments where kids can continue to 
explore and experiment to further develop you know, their abilities as creative thinkers. One of my favorite parts about this job is when I read a book and I learn about somebody I'd never heard before and I find that person very interesting. In this book is a man named Seymour Papert. Hopefully I just pronounced his name correctly. Could you explain who he was and what he has to do with your book? Well, so Seymour Papert had a deep influence on me. He was one of the great pioneers of technology and education. Seymour actually grew up in South Africa, uh, came, went to England for graduate school, then came to MIT in the 1960s. And while he was in Europe, he had worked with the great Swiss uh, psychologist, Jean Piaget, and he had you know, studied child development. And when Seymour then arrived at MIT, where computers were arriving on the scene, Seymour started to explore how might computers uh, connect with the ways children you know, develop and learn in the world. And Seymour had a very different vision than many other people. As computers first started to appear, people thought, well, maybe computers would be good for delivering instruction to kids or delivering information. And Seymour had a very different vision. He said, we shouldn't have the computer deliver things to the kids, but let the computer be a new tool that kids could use to experiment and explore and create things. Uh, and he developed the programming language logo to allow kids to express themselves on the computer. Now, when Seymour first developed this in the 1960s, computers cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and a lot of people thought it was crazy. Seymour would have kids come into MIT to use these very expensive machines. But Seymour recognized that one day computers become you know, inexpensive enough that they'd spread through the society, and he wanted to be ready with, how, with approaches for kids to be able to use computers in a way that they could really express themselves and learn creatively. Uh, so as personal computers came out in the late 70s and 80s, Seymour's logo program got out into the world, and it really did affect the way people think, you know, thought about computers and thought about learning and thought about children. It certainly had a big impact on me. So I think everything I do now with trying to spread new ideas about education and new technological tools like Scratch was deeply inspired by what I learned from Seymour Papert. So is there a URL people can go to to learn a little bit more about what you and your team is doing? So uh, I lead a research group at the MIT Media Lab called the Lifelong Kindergarten Group. Uh, so if you just search for Lifelong Kindergarten, you'll find it. It's llk.media.mit.edu. So that's one place to start finding out about some of the things that we're doing. Mitchell Resnick, the author of Lifelong Kindergarten, Cultivating Creativity Through Projects, Passion, Peers and Play. Thanks for being on the MIT Press Podcast today. Nice talking with you. For more information about this and other titles, please visit our website at mitpress.mit.edu. Don't forget you can find the MIT Press on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening to this episode of the MIT Press Podcast. Copyright 2017, the MIT Press, all rights reserved.